0: You are listening to Preaching and Teaching on the Man of God Network of Podcasts. This resource combines expositional sermons and lectures from the classroom of Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary to help equip listeners for the work of the ministry. Alright, well, in in preaching, all of your theological studies come together. So in one sense, this is like the point and focus, or at least the subpoint, sub focus of everything that a man of God ought to do in preparation for the ministry. So we need to learn hermeneutics. We need to learn exegesis. We need to learn the languages the best we can. We need to learn history. We need to learn theological categories and how they relate together systematically, how the Bible reveals to us, you know, not just a a, a individual collection of certain truths, but it reveals to us a body of truth that hinges together in ways that are uh, wonderful, glorious, consistent because they come from the same God. And so we don't worry about Paul being opposed to Peter and contradicting that. No, it's all from the mind of God through His chosen instruments. We need to learn all of those things, but we learn all of those things so that we can serve the Word. And the way that God has chosen for the Word to be served primarily, not exclusively, but primarily is through preaching. And preaching should have pride of place in a pastor's life. It should have pride of place in a church. And you've seen it. We're living through it again where, uh, there's all kinds of temptations and all kinds of encouragements to set aside preaching. So we, we have, um, movie evaluations in times of worship now. You know, we have skits and, uh, drama and, liturgical dance. I mean, from confessing Reformed evangelicals, you know, you, you can find all of those things today from people who call themselves confessing Reformed Christians. And what's happening is preaching just gets kind of denigrated. And so the idea of authority in preaching has been lost in our anti-authority age because, you know, we, who am I to tell you uh, what you should think or what you should believe or how you should understand this passage? i you know, I, I've had it happen in years past. I had uh, one particular church member who was, the guy was converted, was gloriously so, seemed converted, growing in grace, knowledge of Christ, and he got tangled up with some, uh, unhelpful teaching. And he just began to feed on this information from books and other sources, and, um, and it just, it, it, it hindered him. It really hurt him. I, I grieve over it, even thinking back on it. It's been probably 20 years, 25 years. But uh, he came to me one day, he says, you know, he says, what are we doing, man? So we come, said, and you're the only one that gets to stand up and talk. So that's not fair to the rest of us. Yeah. Don't you think we know stuff? You know, and who are you? Yeah. I mean, it's all this stuff, and I'm thinking, look, man, I didn't put myself in this job, and be, some days I'd be happy if I got out of the job, but this is what God's called me to do. And the congregation's recognized that, and this is God's way. He, all of that just got sublimated in this kind of subjective, personal sense of you know you're not the boss of me kind of thing and uh why should we emphasize preaching why don't we have just more uh kind of a sit around and, and talk that uh, spurgeon talk, tells about an irishman who uh, came back from a, a bible study one time and he was just oh it's a glorious bible study. He said, oh really he said well you know so what was what did you study and he told him he said well who led it he said oh he said none of us let it he said uh None of us knew nothing and we all taught one another. And, uh, and Spurgeon uses that as an illustration as to why those types of Bible studies are completely bad to have where you <laughs> sit around and those who don't know anything sit around and teach each other. Other aspects of pastoral ministry are important. The personal work is important. You're going to find in... in uh, Lloyd Jones's book, where you know he—I don't think he uses the word abominate. He might. He uses the word abominate when he talks about recordings, you know, of uh, of sermons, and he, he thinks that there's just no way to re- to reproduce. And he's right about that. There's no way to reproduce electronically or any other way what happens in the event of preaching. There is this—the preaching event is significant. This is why I, I've got to. St- not get off on trails, but this is why it drives me nuts this year, last year, to hear evangelical leaders talking about doing church online. You know, doing church. I've been going to church online. No, you haven't. You know, I mean, you've been listening. That's great. That's a benefit. But you hadn't been going to church online. And you just can't do that. Can you benefit? Yeah. Can you be convicted? Yeah. Can you be converted? Absolutely. But it's not the same thing. And and we just need to to praise God for what it is without bringing it over to substitute for what it can never be. So other elements of pastoral ministry are important. And again, Lloyd-Jones will talk about personal work or pastoral counseling. And that he just thinks, you know, he thinks very little of it, though he does come back if you stay with him and acknowledge that there is a place for personal counseling in the pastor pastoral ministry, but it's not a very big place. And he says, most of your counseling ought to be done from the pulpit. And I think he's right about that. If if you have a consistent expository ministry week in week out however many times you have the opportunity to stand and preach where the word is being served and is being served humbly accurately in ways that cohere so that we who we do understand that the bible has one message and it is consistent and no part of the bible contradicts any other part of the bible and it's all relevant it all is for today, and we help people understand that themselves. Then, yeah, I, you know, there's a, a new convert at our church now, a guy that we sat by on an airplane. It's an incredible story, God's providence. But anyhow, Keith started coming to church. He's become a Christian. And um, he almost, I can count on it at least twice a month. Well, he'll he'll come up and he said, say, you know, he said, man, I, I had like five questions that I was going to call you about this week. I really wanted to sit down and talk to you. I said, you know, you answered them all. In the sermons, and every one of them got answered. So how do you do that? How do you do that? You know, and I said, well, it's a secret. I can't tell you, you know, <laughs> no, it's the word. It's the word of God. This is the spirit of God teaching God's people from the word. Because what we do in private counseling, personal counseling, is in reality no different than what we do publicly. We just do it in a different way. And quite honestly, I've done this uh, in some of my counseling and talking to people and kind of sorting out where they are. I've gone and gotten sermon notes. And I just sat down, kind of went back through my sermon. I mean, I didn't stand behind a pulpit with them or anything, but I just took my notes and said, you know, here's what I would want to say to you today and help you think through things like that. So if you're, if we maintain pride of place of preaching in the life of the church, in the life of the pastor, other things are important and they need to have their place and there'll be seasons when their importance will be elevated more than other times, but they should never be elevated above preaching. Preaching should always be, uh, primary in a church and a church needs to understand that. If you can teach your church to understand that, they won't let you get away with anything else. I mean, they just won't, you know, cause they'll, they'll, they'll want to hear the word. This aspect then of pastoral ministry is of prime importance. All of our biblical, historical, theological studies inform preaching, but everything ultimately culminates in the work of the man of God proclaiming the word of God. The, the praxis, the apex of pastoral ministry is preaching. So why? Or what have others said about this work of preaching? Let's just consider a few comments and then we'll stop for our first break. John Stott, in the book, you'll see it on page 15, says, Preaching is indispensable to Christianity. Without preaching, a necessary part of its authenticity has been lost. Well, if that's true, what does that say about these groups who say that they are vibrant expressions of Christianity, but throw away preaching. You know, they, it's it's um, again there's lots of illustrations that have come from 2020 with pastors and evangelical leaders that have spoken in ways that have downplayed, if not disregarded preaching completely. I mean I remember one guy saying well this is, you know the reason so many evangelicals are having a hard time during the shutdowns is because all they do is worship. You know, I just, you know, we don't, man, worship is just one of the things we do and preaching is just one of the things we do. We do this, we do that, we do that. We're feeding more people than anybody else in the county, da, da, da. And you know, those are good things. Those are good. None of those things, none of those things can substitute for preaching. And without preaching, those other things can wind up being like a boat anchor that'll take you down. Lloyd Jones says this on page nine of his book. The most urgent need in the church, the Christian church is true preaching. And as it is the most, that is as it is the greatest and most urgent need in the church. It is obviously the greatest need of the world also. And boy, that is vital. I mean, that is vital because sometimes you, again, this other uh, fella, you know, he thinks, well, here's what the world needs. We know the world needs the word of God, and you know, yeah, let's feed the hungry, absolutely, absolutely. Let's heal the sick. Let's do what we can to care for people's temporal needs. But none of that compares to what they most significantly need, which is to to hear from God, to be reconciled to Him, and to be nurtured in His grace that's in Christ, and preaching serves all of that. Excuse me. John brought us in his book, page three says, in every age of Christianity, since John the Baptist drew crowds into the desert, there has been no great religious movement, no restoration of scripture truth, and reanimation of genuine piety without new power in preaching, both as cause and as effect. I think that's a wonderful insight. Because you look at the revivals. There have been revivals that have begun in prayer meetings, the Haystack Revival, the Mid-Century Revival in the 19th century. Uh, you can look and say, oh, yes, man, these it, it was prayer. There's no, no revival ever started without prayer. But in the midst of and, and as a result of an early in revival, it's been preaching. It's been the Word of God. The word of God has been central and has been shaping. And where that's been neglected, that's where you see things begin to wander into unhealthy uh, patterns. Uh, let me let me read you this quote by Gardner Spring. He was a minister, Presbyterian minister in New York City, in the bulk of the 19th century or the middle part of the 19th century. Um, wrote a book called "The Power." of the pulpit that first came out in 1848. He says, what would New England have been without her pulpit? There's no part of Christendom that has not acknowledged these incidental influences of the pulpit in forming its habits and character, in elevating and purifying its institution. I mean, you think about this. You know, we're, we're watching society, and our culture, crumble around us. And here is a Presbyterian minister in the heart of New York City in the middle of the 19th century says there is no part of the world, Christendom, he calls it, that has not acknowledged these incidental influences of the pulpit and forming its habits and character, elevating, purifying its institutions, stimulating, extending its literature and modifying its usages and laws and in giving more or less of peculiarity to the measures and policy of its government. We're going to talk about this tomorrow night. But, you know, is is preaching just polishing the brass on the Titanic as it's sinking? Brothers, sadly, it breaks my heart to say this, but there are evangelical leaders today who are almost saying that, almost signaling that. And... Their understanding is completely opposite of what I want to try to convey in our time together in this course. Preaching necessarily gives a direction to the current of human thought. Men of talent in every department of human life feel its influence. It has been felt everywhere in the councils of warriors in the field and of the statesmen in the Senate House. Kings on their thrones have listened to its voice, and the populace has been moved by it. Men of all religious persuasions and of no religious persuasion, believers and infidels feel its influence. All orders and combinations are, to a greater or less extent, subjected to its power. Doesn't that just seem like a different world, where we are today? It's a commentary. It's a commentary on how far we've fallen away from confidence in the Word of God, being set forth in the way God has prescribed. And it ought to be an indictment. It is an indictment on us. It ought to humble us into repentance and and to plead with God, to, to raise up preachers, to make us such men who have this kind of understanding, this kind of confidence. When the world looks at us and says, this is absolute folly, you're fools. and We just say, yeah, fools for Christ, and we're going to commit ourselves to foolishness of the gospel regardless of cost or consequences spring goes on in past ages of the world few moral causes did more in molding the habits of human thought than the various forms of scholastic philosophy but its powerful influence waned and eventually was eclipsed by the Christian pulpit Other influences there are which act upon the public mind. The press acts upon it. Seminaries of learning act upon it. Legislation acts upon it. Courts of law act upon it. Theater, the opera act upon it. The fine arts act upon it, and the exchange, the exchange acts upon it, and all with prodigious power. Some of these are the immediate and direct antagonists of the pulpit, and its business is to oppose and neutralize them. I mean, do 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 pastors think like this today? I, I don't believe we do as much as we should. Some of them are directly auxiliary to it. Some of them indirectly. As such, we honor them. But if we draw a line around any other department of human influence and compare it with the pulpit, we must do the greater honor to this divine institution. It has no physical force to boast of. It's, it is its moral power, which is its glory. Its conflict is not the conflict of rushing bayonets, but of truth with error, nor or are its victories those where men are trodden down and trampled on, but where they are lifted up. It has power above the field of battle, and above the forum, above the Senate House. Yes, it has power above them all. Compare them, inspect them, and then say which has the most important influence upon the national character. Inspect them impartially, and whose sway is the widest, and which occupies the largest space? Who has accomplished most for this land, its warriors and statesmen, or the ministers of the gospel? Who most for England, Edmund Burke and William Pitt, or George Whitfield and Robert Hall? Who for Scotland most, Robert Bruce and William Wallace or John Knox and Thomas Chalmers? Well, may God give us this kind of vision and confidence in preaching, because if we get this, then, man, we'll do hard work. We'll, we'll stay in the chair. We will not get up until we have seen more clearly what God has called us to do when He calls us to preach. All right, let's take a break. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Preaching and Teaching, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. CBTS is a confessional Reformed Baptist seminary which provides affordable online theological education to help the church in its calling to train faithful men for the gospel ministry. To learn more, visit CBTseminary.org.